Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Side Hustles and Stuff podcast. This is episode 5353. I'm joined by Keisha. Hey, Ari, how are you today? I'm doing all right. How about you? I'm, I'm doing good. Doing good. Yeah. You're doing good. So uh, th then you have a good drink of the day with you? Definitely. So what are you drinking today? Yeah. So I'm um, drinking real gold today. Is it real? It tastes just like soda. Is it, oh, so it's not gold. No, it's, it's funny though, because I think in, is it Kanazawa or one of the Japanese prefectures? They sell everything with like um, gold flags in it, like, like real, real gold, gold flags. flags. Yeah. Okay. Ice cream and, and green tea and stuff like that. How does that digest? I wonder. I've never had it. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, th this one's like, this one's a soda. I guess it's meant to be like a rehydrating drink or, or, or an energy drink. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think you had it before on the podcast, the, the canned version, the regular one. Yeah, this one's in pet bottle and it's like a um, it's a special golden fruits edition with with, pi with pineapple, um, apricot or or peach and I guess kiwi. Mm -hmm. um, it's got 2,021 milligrams of of quen acid, acid, whatever it is. It's a lot of acid. <laughs> it's a lot of acid, and it's got some natrium and some some salt. Natrium. I know in Japanese is natrium, but I don't know if it's the same thing that we use in English. I wonder. Let's see. Natrium English. Probably oh, sodium. Yeah. Sodium. So it's a salty drink for um, it's a rehydration drink, right? Yeah, exactly. Like salty lychee. Exactly, but but it's much sweeter, much more sweeter. Okay. And, um, And, and it's sparkling. It's carbonated. So, so how about you? I also have carbonated sparkling. I have a carbonated. Uh, the drink is called Blue Monkey. Blue Monkey. Wow. Yeah, it's a product of Vietnam, imported by Canada as on the back label, and made its way somehow to Japan into the natural loss and where I bought it from. It's a. Uh, I had this before, actually. I told you before about it. I just had a watermelon flavor one. Yeah. This time I have cocoa watermelon, so it's 90-something percent coconut, 5% watermelon juice. And it tastes pretty good. Like I can taste the coconut. I can taste just a little bit of the watermelon. It has a nice um, zest to it from the carbonation. Nice. It's a nice big can. I, I think, I don't know, the name is like is what caught my eye. It's like, what's a blue monkey? I want to find <laughs> out. Where'd you buy it? I haven't seen it before. Oh, Natural Lawson, of course. Oh, it's your, your favorite store. That's where I go for my drinks. And they have a lot of a lot of new drinks that I you know have to check out now. Nice. I think it's that season. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I saw this one, in the one that I have in, in my local supermarket. And luckily, they always keep having some new stuff. So They probably know you by now. Like, <laughs> that guy again, he's it, it's funny after new drinks. Yeah, because every Sunday we go to the supermarket to, to buy groceries and I always choose my drink. Hmm. And there's always the same two, two store um, clerks restocking the drink shelf every mm -hmm. Sunday at the exact It, same time. <laughs> they notice you like same again. Yeah, maybe they remember me, but uh. he's a drink addict, the fiend. <laughs> yeah, you know, I have this I have this feeling. For example, every time I would go to a certain store where, where I've been at many, many times. Yeah. Or a cafe where I've been at many, many times and I order the same exact thing. Like after a while I start wondering, do they think about me? Do they think like, oh here he is again. He's gonna order that again, huh? So predictable. I wonder if they think that. Like as, as soon as I walk I know like they probably don't because they're dealing with millions of customers a day and it doesn't really matter. Yeah, I wonder. I, I used to a couple of years back, I used to go to the to the Starbucks in Azabu every day and every morning around the same time and get the exact same thing. Yeah. <laughs> and th then they would just be like the same thing. I'm like, yeah. yeah. They're like, yeah. they're like side-eyeing you. They know they notice when you walk in, like, oh, it's him. And then, then I stop going and I go after like a month or something. And they're like, oh, you haven't been here in a while. Yeah. <laughs> you want the same thing? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But uh, I, I'm sure Ramit Sethi would be proud of me. Um, some other personal finance experts would, would look at that and be like, oh, my God. You're throwing money into a fire. Four dollars on Starbucks every day. We should kill him for that. Although four bucks is a meal for a college student, you know, it's the price of a a little over a price of a bento. Yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, I, I mean, I think if, if you don't have, I mean, if $4 is a lot of money, then you definitely shouldn't be spending it on Starbucks. I think you should be listening to those that say, hey, save every last $4. But then again, I also think at some point, like if it's $4 a day, that's what, 100 bucks a month. Yeah. I, I think it's it's less work to make 100 extra bucks than to, to try to, to try hard to save $100. Hmm, that's true. Well, speaking of savings, I was actually looking at what I could do here in Japan. I was looking to Idaho. I was looking to Nisa. There was another. Yeah. And uh, I got some bad news for you. I can't open either of them. Really? Apparently, there is a um, certain tax law in the United States that is uh, kind of prohibitive to expats, American expats around the world. So if you purchase into like a international or not non-American mutual fund or whatever, whatever other fund, it gets taxed quite um, prohibitively to the point where it's not, it's, there's no point in opening one up because you're going to get slammed with um, oh, taxes. The far reaching arms of Uncle Sam. Yeah. So I, actually I was, you know, I was reading, I was reading Ramid's book and I'm like, actually not for some reason, Friday, I was in a very productive mood. I'm like, all right, you know what? <laughs> let me get this thing done. And in the book, he recommends Vanguard. So I was like, all right, let me open up a Vanguard account. As I was, you know, filling one out, I kind of realized, wait, hold on a second. I'm in Japan. Does it matter? I Googled it and it's, yeah, you can't really open one up from abroad. You need an American. You have to be in America. You have to have a residence there. So, so, I, so you can't open an account here and you can't open an account in America. I can open an account if I live in America, but if I'm from abroad, that's the problem. You have to be residing present in there. I guess it's like for similar reasons why when I moved to Japan, I had to shut down my American PayPal account and create a Japanese PayPal account. It just, uh, I my understanding is that, you know, like, so they can avoid the uh, legal issues and whatnot of dealing with foreign companies and foreign companies imposing on them or foreign, I don't know, it's finance sounds very, very complicated in financial law. That's, yeah. So, so, so what's your option then? Do, do you have any? There are some options. There's a, from my understanding, TD Ameritrade offers is is friendly to expats. Essentially, what I need is a brokerage firm that is friendly to expats, and I I, I think TD Ameritrade is one of them. The other choice is to go with my existing American account and see if I can open up a um, savings or whatever investment account with them. Since I already have, since it's filed under my U.S. address, where my uh, I, but I just can't open up a new one. So I, my option is to go through my existing account. I think. Yeah, I guess the the sooner you resolve it, the sooner you can start compounding your your money yeah start with a Roth IRA first and then do some other ones later so is the plan now to to do the TD Ameritrade account I think first I'll look at Citibank maybe I'll compare I guess the issue here is the fees that will come with um, having a Roth IRA and just take a look at both of them and see which one's more favorable and then go with that yeah which one's Roth IRA the one where you can keep your money in and not have to pay taxes on, on the I growth. think so. Yeah, Roth IRA, I think, has a tax advantage. And, and you can only withdraw it after you retire, right? Like 65 or something. I think so. Roth IRA offers several key benefits, including tax-free growth, tax-free withdrawals in retirement, and no minimum required distribution, no required minimum distribution. An obvious disadvantage is that you're contributing post-tax money, and that's a yeah. bigger hit on your current income. Another drawback is that you must not make a withdrawal before at least five years have passed since your first contribution. Five years, nothing. Yeah. yeah, that's good. I, yeah, I, I think everybody should be should be doing this. It's, like, it's one of those things that, and I wonder why most people don't do it. And I guess it's because they don't know. It's, it's yeah, it's a you know like here's the thing. It's funny. It, you need one, you need to know, and two, um, how would I how, how would I explain? It? I remember my mom at one point, like maybe a year ago, mentioned like you know, do I have an account? And if so, why not? And if I should open, I should create one like that. And when a person tells you what to do, especially in the case of giving advice, it's like I feel a lot of us assume. Uh, the child role 
It's like a parent telling you to eat <laughs> broccoli. It's like, don't tell me what to do, mom. I'll eat broccoli when I want. And I, I kind of, I feel it's similar. Even if someone's giving you advice for something good, like because it's not attached to anything urgent, it's not attached to anything painful. And it's something that you have kind of to like, it's something also something that you can't exactly wrap your mind around. It's not an easy thing to take action on unless you have a parent like, you know, hammering you. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Yelling at you. Because again, again, like I, I, I would look at myself and I wonder why I didn't open up, why didn't I open it up? earlier and it's just like well you know of all the things that's pressing down on me this was not a priority i don't think it's a priority there's no ache attached to it it's it comes from someone who's telling me what to do and i don't know you know let me do things at my own pace mom (laughs) type of thing i think there's many complicated reasons psychologically as to why people don't do the things that are good for them yeah yeah it's it's interesting because i guess there's a couple hurdles like the first hurdle is just all right like essentially somebody living paycheck to paycheck and and not even being able to to save. But then once you can save, I guess there's there's the difference between just saving and like piling the money up in your whatever um, checking account or under your pillow or, or wherever. Yeah. And then making the kind of the jump into investing, which is sure you can have an upside, but I guess people are a lot of people are perhaps worried more about the downside than excited about the upside. Mm. I think that that's potentially one. Um, certainly, know at least a couple of people that that think that way. And um, yeah, and, and and with those people again, it's like even if you tell them they should do this, it's like it's, it's hard to convince somebody who's afraid to lose money to to invest money. I think. Yeah. Um, and 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 then I guess yeah, there there's also the portion that, that you're saying, which is yeah, if somebody's just telling you to do something, then I'm yeah, like yeah, why, why should I listen to you? Essentially. Yeah, it's not not so much of a why should I listen to you. It's more it's like more so don't tell me what to do. Stop telling me what to do. <laughs> I'll figure it out at my own pace. Type of stuff. Like again, think back to imagine you have a child and you're feeding them broccoli. And they're like, I don't want to. <laughs> I, why do I need this? I don't need this. Leave me alone. Yeah, that's, that I, I think that's the interesting part because you see a lot of people, especially on Twitter. Twitter's got an interesting crowd. <laughs> You see a lot of people, especially on Twitter, say things like, oh, they should teach personal finance in high school and things like that. Yeah. Like they see somebody's personal finance video. And they're like, oh, this is good stuff. They should teach this in high school. But I always feel like it's not about whether they teach it at high school or not. I just feel like most people wouldn't listen anyways. Exactly. It's like, imagine your high school self. You would tune out. You tuned out in every single other class. And this class is even more boring. I mean, it's exciting in the financial sense, but like it requires a lot of boring things to do. Yeah, because honestly, I, I think they taught us in high school what what compound interest is and like should you rather take whatever amount today or should you keep investing at x percent for for 10 years and, and those kind of examples but i just feel like yeah it's like if a high school teacher tells you go out and invest it's not like you will go out and invest i feel like it's something that you have to kind of stumble upon yourself and and start exploring it and because um yeah because because even with myself i don't know it's, I, i've been investing regularly for for a few years now Occasionally, here's a, I think here's an interesting comparison. I don't know if it's the same, but I, I feel like it's the same. <laughs> I'm going to bring up something else, slightly unrelated. Take the uh, necessary yearly trip to the doctor for a health checkup. Yeah. And, you know, if you've done it or if you've not done it, you, you, know, you have to ask yourself why, why. And I imagine it's a similar kind of reasoning um, that people also have. Like, for example, they're not in deep debt. They have some cash lying around that they can invest. They just, it, But it's just like, how do you get them from point A to point B? You know, how do you get someone from like knowing that this is good and it's good for you and it's good for you in the long run to yeah. actually getting them to do it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I think it's similar. And it's, it's probably with, with many things, again, it's, it's probably with many things in life. It comes back to what you were saying where it's it's kind of not urgent like it, it's really important but at the same time it's not like um, 
like if suddenly your heart stopped, I bet, I bet you would go to the doctor. Yeah. But like if it's just a checkup or, or say with investing, it's like if you suddenly lose all your income, then you will definitely look look for next job right away. Yeah. But if you're kind of doing okay, then it's like you'll kind of just keep coasting, I guess. Yeah. Until you can't coast no more. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, I guess, um, yeah, te- teaching about this thing in high school, um, I'm, I'm sure it helps to an extent, but I'm not sure to, to what extent somebody would actually take practical um yeah. action based on that i guess it helps in the sense of um eventually they'll have to take action on it and at least they can say well at least they taught it to me in high school so i don't have to blame high school for my lack of financial um awareness and also it gives them a bit of a foundation like so maybe when they are ready when they do need to be like all right what did they teach me in high school which i yeah. do so it kind of maybe plants that seed and that seed might you know um grow for some people might not grow for a lot of people until a few years have passed 10 years have passed 20 years who knows yeah i, I always wondered because <laughs> like i think if, if everybody started doing these things then it would be the same as if nobody was doing these things perhaps i, I don't know yeah it's like it, it's almost like when it's when you see um like you see people on the internet teaching other people how to make money on- online for example mm-hmm. and they're like everybody can do it that's a marketing gimmick yeah it's, it's a marketing gimmick but at, at the same time i truly believe that anybody can do it but not everybody like, well not through their specific method and any, anyone can do it but the person out there is he's selling their their own specific method of course anyone they put their mind to it but they probably not they probably won't make it work with that specific method. Yeah. You know? Not everyone can be a blogger or vlogger or yeah. Instagram uh, influencer. But yeah. Yeah, but I'm, I'm, re- I'm really happy you took an action on this because I think it's it's, re- it's really cool stuff. I was so close to like, I was like, you know, I had the form filled out on Vanguard. I'm like, I can't open one. Was there like a country column or something? The, well, it, it was only for US only. Oh, I see. So I was like, should I put in my New York address? I'm like, mm. so I started Googling about it and seeing because there's plenty of, you know, expats american expats in japan they probably have been through this hurdle as well yeah so i wanted to read up and see what they say for the most part it's like unfortunately you have to avoid idaho and nisa <clears throat> let me find out why yeah actually I've, I've, yeah, I've, i think i've i've seen that somewhere and uh, and, and, and yeah and I'm, I'm sure like you said it's something with um with the fact that u.s is taxing its citizens even if they're not living in the u.s which is i think the the only country to do so or at least the only um, big major country to do so. Yeah, so U.S. taxation of foreign mutual funds, PFICs, owned by U.S. taxpayers is punitive and complex. PFICs encompass a wide variety of non-U.S. investment products besides mutual funds and are commonly owned by American Broad. Foreign Tax Compliant Act greatly expanded the, the ability of the IRS to enforce PFI rules. And- I wonder how that applies to people that are like, um, that have both Japanese and, and, and U.S. citizenship. I wonder if, if they still can go after you. That's a good question. But I, I don't know of any um halves uh, I, I feel like the halves that i know the american i don't know what's their status i feel like they're fully <laughs> japanese on in, on that front technically you can't even get rid of um, u.s citizenship that easily right as far as i understand hmm. so, yeah. I, I still didn't get my um, local tax payment thing no i, I open no. i open the um the mailbox with expectation every day yeah it's, it's like always disappointing waiting it's like you're waiting for an amazon delivery of something that you really want exactly it's like i just want to give you the money that i need to give you as soon as possible and be done with you yeah <laughs> kind of thing i mean you know paying taxes in japan like maybe someone's gonna hate me for saying this but i don't mind it like i mean because i'm paying like you know through the side hustle stuff we have to file separately and everything which at, at the start is a giant pain but once you get the hang of it it's like just you know paying it paying it makes me feel like a responsible citizen and also because i'm an outsider right so like i feel like as an outsider you kind of the the odds are kind of against you so it kind of like <laughs> by, by you know paying it i feel like oh, i'm doing good you know and it's a nice feeling to have so 
I feel responsible when I do it. Yeah, I I, I don't mind it either. I mean, if if there's a country that I wouldn't mind paying taxes in, it's probably Japan, just because the infrastructure here is so good and you feel like you're you're getting something back for your taxes in a way i guess yeah. But, but yeah it's like we can't really have no taxes yeah. now whether do i try to pay as little as possible legally definitely but but at the same time what, what i gotta pay I, I have no trouble with it minus that one time you overpaid yeah that, that was the, the most recent one i still didn't i i don't think i'll ever even ask for that back <laughs> Yeah. probably hassles it yeah all right so well that aside uh just a quick recap of what i've been up to what do you want to talk about today yeah so, so i think we can chat about a bunch of um, other things in, in addition to this and one is um you were mentioning this uber campaign i thought it mm-hmm. was pretty cool um, maybe we can spend some time chatting about that yeah so basically it was an advertisement that i think i saw either on instagram or facebook where uber is offering free rides for the elderly to go get vaccinated and you know their family can set that set that up for them um the elderly probably don't have an uber app on their phone yeah so the, just the, the the whole fascinating part to me is that you know, uber is tapping into something going on right now that's very pervasive and very top of the mind for everyone and they're aligning their product or services with that and i don't know how well it works like you know there's only there's only one person or a few people that know it how well this campaign is working and they're all in the, <laughs> the company but I, I think for the most part um when these kind of situations happen yeah it, it can be quite successful or can be a good venture for the company and have some good results uh, anytime yeah. you kind of, you're able to align yourself with the with the times and if you could if you could do so correctly for example like i don't know if a plumbing company can do it you know like oh here's our coronavirus pandemic bonus campaign like you know the, the product and service has to align in some sort of way yeah yeah i, I thought it was really smart because as i was mentioning i think like um, the easiest way for for the campaign to go is just all right, you're going to get a vaccine. We we take you for free. Yeah. But I really like that they took it to the next step, which is, yeah, there's a lot of people that, that are probably the most vulnerable, but that can't use a smartphone or, or that <laughs> perhaps have no idea what Uber is. Yeah. It's like grandparents and, and so on. And I think targeting that is... is is the story being um, we can take your grandma to, to the vaccination for free rather than just we can take you? Yeah, I thought that it was really smart. And I don't know, like I don't know how well it's going to work out for them, but if, I wonder, you know, they could capture could capture some of the uh, taxi uh, market share that the many other Japanese taxis control. Yeah, I think that th- that's kind of the funny thing about Uber in Japan, though, is I think at the end of the day they're all like private hire cars or taxis because yeah. in Japan you don't have those Uber drivers like you have in the U.S. or whatever. We're just regular guys. Really? Yeah. I think they're all just like licensed, either private hire cars or, or taxis. Okay. Like the Kojin. Yeah. Kojin taxi. Yeah. Because of the regulation or something. You know, if uh, here's a thought, random thought. If I ever become super rich that I don't need have, you know, I don't have a need to work or whatnot, I would want to drive a Kojin taxi. <laughs> <laughs> Simply because there was one time um, I was coming home and I, t- I took a cab. Usually I don't wave down the white Kojin private cabs <laughs> simply because for some reason I feel like they wouldn't stop foreigners. Because, <laughs> you know, because they, if they own their own, you know, if they're running their own service. Yeah. They don't really have to stop for anyone. <laughs> I think maybe there was once or twice I got passed by um, one of them and, I, and the, the black uh, cabs always stopped for me. British ones with the yeah. British ones are nowadays the most common black cab and there's other ones, but they always stopped for me. So I'm like, all right, I'm never, wa- I'm never waving down those private guys. <laughs> they choose their own customers and they can uh, drive right past me. But this, there was one, you know, well, well, that's not true. I've been stopped. They stopped for me many times. I was just like, that was, it was just like a notion that I had when I first came. Yeah. But anyway, so I caught a cab and like, 
like the, the so he saw my Brooklyn hat and apparently he lived in New York too. Oh, nice. And at, at that point, like when I was talking to him, he was a entrepreneur and owned his own import export company, and he was just doing the cab like at night sometimes because it was relaxing. Oh, that's that's interesting. I yeah, because I, I remember yeah. I I took Uber in in um, Bratislava once with a friend, and and the driver it, it seemed like she was just doing it for for fun essentially as well. Or my, my other theory was um, she gave us like a a pyramid scheme type of marketing business card at the end of the ride. Mm-hmm. So so um, she might have been doing it as a as a lead generation for her <laughs> for her uh, pyramid scheme. But it's kind of clever in some yeah, way. But uh but yeah that, that's why I kind of like Uber in the US because um it seems like every time I take Uber there there's some sort of story behind the driver. Whereas mm-hmm. I, like if here you get in the cab um the guy's probably just a, a guy that decided to be a cab driver and, mm. and otherwise just a regular guy. But like in the US, I think from a few rides that I took, it it always was some, um, there always was some backstory and I always ended up chatting to them. And like, um, I remember one in, in Washington, DC, it was a guy that, um, he was from Somalia, Somalia. Mm. And like he, he was working there to essentially to save money and go back and, and, um, buy a house and whatnot back in his home country i thought yeah. it was really it was really fascinating it was like he was saying he was talking about buying camels and <laughs> and things like that and oh, wow. that's when you realize like just how many different stories out there driving all these different uber caps or car yeah it's funny uh, would you do it well, i have to learn how to drive I, I i would do it for like a few days i i, I wouldn't want to turn it in, into a career but um and, and that's kind of what i what i love to do i guess is like just be able to do every job for for a few days it's Almost like trying different cakes or something. Yeah. Because I think we also talked about it here. It's like, I think there's, it's a lot of fun and there's a lot of benefit in doing different things. And I, and I think even driving people around can be, can be a lot of fun. I like driving. Wait, can you drive? Um, I, I don't have a Japanese license, but in Europe, I can, yeah. Because uh, in New York, I, I only got a learner's permit, which, I mean, doesn't mean exactly that I can drive. I just passed the test, the written test. And I never advanced past that because in New York, you don't exactly need a car. Yeah. There's trains running 27. Tokyo is not too different from that. Trains running, not 24-7, but there's plenty yeah. of trains. Uh, unless I end up living in California or something, I don't think I would need a car. <laughs> but it would be nice to know how to learn how to drive one. Yeah, definitely. I, I'd like to take like a race driving um, lesson one day i think you're in the perfect country for it like you can take you can take drifting lessons <laughs> I, I think you need the driving li- driver's license though okay to oh, be yeah, honest, yeah, yeah. i'm not sure i could get one in japan i, I tried once and i failed miserably <laughs> it's like it was hilarious i um so i read all these different um articles on how to convert your license and how to pass the japanese driving test <laughs> and yeah. there was this thing about all right, before we get in the car, make sure to check under the car in the front and in the back to see if there is no cat. It's like, pre- it's like pre- pretend you're checking whether there's a cat or not under the car. So I got that, so I got nope. that right. I sit down, I do my seatbelt, and, and the guy's like, all right, let's go. And I go, but the car is not moving. I'm like, I'm like what the hell is going on? Hmm. Why well, was in the car? Because I forgot to put down the handbrake. <laughs> it was like, oh. it was like it was the start of the like of, of the most hilarious and most stupid and most funny ride of my life. <laughs> like, I mean, based on that experience, you could probably try again and get it right this time. Yeah, and, and again, I think the lesson there was also that um, like I've been driving for ten years, and like when you drive for ten years, you just you just drive without thinking about yeah. too many things, right? Whereas like at the test, they expect you to like be looking like get everything right. It's like it's almost like a pilot license test here in Japan. It's like all yeah. these procedures and look here, look there. Well, think about it. Yeah, 
yeah, you want to become you wanted to become a pilot at one point. I think this is your chance to become a metaphorical pilot <laughs> for a ground vehicle. Yeah, so, so I still have the I still have the test paper somewhere because because the first part was like a written test, which was really really it's, it's like th there was one guy that failed, and I had no idea yeah. how he failed. I guess he didn't speak English or Japanese or which language he chose the test in, but it, it was to it was to the tune of, all right, if the traffic light is orange, you can go. You have to stop. You can go slowly. <laughs> it's like, what's the answer? I mean, uh, <laughs> that's a good question. I, I think because I see people run yellow lights all yeah, the time. Yeah, I think yellow light is like if you can pass. If it's safer to pass than to stop, then you should pass. Okay, I, I've seen like. People pass yellow lights turning red. Yeah, that happens time. all the time. So I was like wondering, like, is, is that is that right? I mean, I understand that you know generally the yellow light makes people want to speed up and pass that intersection, but because I've, I've seen cars, you know, driving when it's already flipped <laughs> to red, it's kind of I kind of wonder, you know, what's right yeah. there. Yeah, the, the, and and that was perhaps one of the more difficult questions. Is like, yeah, about as elementary as it gets. Like, if you don't pass that, <laughs> I, I I wouldn't even want you. To, I wouldn't even want to see you um, riding a bicycle on the street, <laughs> driving a car. But, um, but yeah, maybe maybe one day, I'll, one day I'll try again. But I'll definitely have to do like practice lessons because, again, I, it, I guess it's, it's another one of those things where like practically you can drive, but theoretically passing the test is is difficult. Yeah, and I have to learn how to how to drive first. My my understanding is that you put the key in the ignition, and then you put the, your foot down on the uh, accelerator, and you press, and then you use the steering wheel. <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong. Let's move on, because <laughs> I have no idea what I'm talking. That's, about. Uh, that sounds about right. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah. So so um, did, did you mentioned you started reading the book already? The not not necessarily a rocket science. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I started nice. reading it on how, Kindle. Uh, not not yet. How far did you get? So, so did I know? How much I have to catch up with? I don't know, cause like it's hard to gauge. Like I don't pay attention to the percentage, cause the percentages are wrong. Not, I don't know. It's it's on my Kindle. <laughs> I think chapter four. Chapter four. All right. How many chapters are there? Uh, Eleven. So you're like halfway through. Page eighty is chapter four. Not necessarily rocket science is the chapter name. Okay. Yeah, I'm probably there somewhere. Nice. Yeah, I'll start. I'll start reading it so that we can talk about it um, in a week or two. I also start. Oh yeah. yeah. Also started reading the grid book, which it's pretty interesting. About the yeah, about, about the power grid, about the electricity. I thought you were reading that already because you mentioned uh, you had a client. Yeah, but I I don't know when I started reading it. Maybe a week ago, a week and something ago. Okay. Um, I also I also read the um, Happy Money. I'm almost at the end of that. Do you feel any happier? I don't know. I I, I have a very interesting relationship with these personal finance books. Because at, at some point I feel like it's it just fluff fluff that um keeps repeating itself and mm -hmm. it's like money can be happy or money can be sad. It's like if you provide good service for a client and he pays you, he's happy, you're happy. It's like happy money. It's like if you mm -hmm. if you go sue somebody and make money, it's sad money or it's it's unhappy money. And it's like okay, but how how is that supposed to help me make more money? Like like so, I, I understand it because again I I agree with everything that's in the book. It's like it's not it's it's not about. As, as much about how much you have it's about how you earn it and how you spend it right and it's like you can have unless you're happy about what you have then you can have as much as you want you always want more and things like that it's like sure i agree with that but then somebody tells tells you to to follow that advice or or like um or like if you if you believe you will make money you will make money and, and all those things like sure th those things work if you kind of already have something going for you and then yeah. you kind of multiply it but then if you tell that to somebody that um that's really struggling with money like I, i'm not sure whether it helps them or <laughs> probably doesn't help them it's like it's that dave Chappelle uh Stand up. I think he had a bit on positivity or something along those lines, where it's a you know like imagery, just Im image. Picture yourself 
you know, be a picture, pictures of succeeding, you know, visualize it. And it's like, then he took it to like, you know, a starving child somewhere <laughs> in a poor country that, you know, just visualize or, you, you know, you, you see your problem is you're not visualizing it. You should visualize it. <laughs> no, it, it, exactly. Like, I, and, and at, at the same time, though, I understand it's kind of a chicken and egg problem, right? It's like, if you always feel like you're, you're not going to do well, then you're probably never going to do well. But at the yeah. same time, it's like if you're really struggling, then it's, like it's not easy to to be like, all right, I'm I'm gonna have everything. I just gotta believe. It's like, yeah. So so yeah, I I, I don't know. I, I I don't think the book was worth the money that I spent on it. But but still, okay, read. I guess I'll stay away from it. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it, yeah, it, it seems like if you read one finance book, then you've read them. Yeah, all. and the same with self help. I I feel like there's it's like all right, I get the concepts, but now you gotta go out and actually execute on it. They kind of repackage the same thing and and reframe it in many different ways. And yeah, like, like I. Like, for example, I wonder if um, what percentage of people that, that buy these books and read them about personal finance. And again, I think like mm-hmm. the Ramit Sethi, book, Ramit Sethi book, for example, I feel it's like very practical and it's like it's almost like a checklist of what you should do, I believe. I haven't read it, but, yeah. but from what I understand, right, it's very it's very action oriented. But then this um, then this type of book like The Happy Money or or all these conceptual books, I just wonder how many people would be better off just going out, going out there listing out all the assets that they have, all the debts that they have, and just figuring out some sort of plan rather than reading this fluff about, oh. But it's easier to buy a book that reveals all the secrets for you. Yeah, I, I guess that's it. I, I guess kind of looking for, what do you call it, a silver bullet? Like, yeah, I think, you know, ha- having spoken about all of that, um, I guess in the case of personal personal finance, one can spend, what, like 20 bucks on a book? And let's say they bought five books. What is that? You know, or four books, like around a hundred bucks or something, 80 bucks, hundred bucks. But what if there was a service yeah. where you say you pay a hundred bucks for an hour and a guy comes and sits down next to you and forces you to ro- to go through all of that, you know, like list out your assets, list out what you lack and what you need, list out a plan and pushes you to go, you know, get it done. I think that would be a very interesting service. Almost sounds like a financial planner, but with more, um, with, a, with a bit more motivation and a bit more anger. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because again, I, I think um, buying books is good and I I guess kind of like Ramit Sethi says, it's like when I see a book that I want, I just I just buy it. But yeah. at the same time, it's it's no substitute for action. Yeah, it, it, exactly. It's like you can read all you want, and you can believe all you want. It's like <laughs> unless you take action, here J- just simple physics. Unless you take action, nothing's gonna happen. You know what? I, I think you should offer that as a service. Sit down with people and then force them to go through the necessary steps for their financial education, and force them. Tell them I need you to open this up by this date. Don't come back to me until you've done it, and then charge them a hundred bucks for it. <laughs> <laughs> for the yeah. hour yeah I, th- I think that's a good service i, f- I think um but but again at, at the same time i think th- the issue with that service is the same thing as you were talking about which is like mm-hmm. yeah who am i to tell somebody to go out and, and open an account so, i mean well in that, in that in that sense it's not a case of a who am i to open up it's more so like people that would come to you well obviously anyone under the you know well running around with the mentality of don't don't tell me what to do type of stuff they wouldn't even come to you in the first place the people that need the extra kick and push are the people who would come to you like these are the people that you know like they I think for majority of people, including myself, be like, yeah, I know I kind of need one. I just don't know how to go about it. But if I had someone breathing down my neck and showing me everything in step by step, then I'll probably get it done. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I definitely think there's space for, for a person like that. And again, yeah, I, I convinced my sister to start um, investing regularly a little. Same with my girlfriend. Um, and, and I try to, whatever the topic of finance comes up with anybody, I, I think it's it's in best interest of everyone to start. Because mm-hmm. the, the other thing I think you kind of see every now and then is... Um, and it's perhaps um, like people like you and, and myself, for example, it might be um, might be more susceptible to this. Is like um, like we know that we can take a certain amount of money and put it, for example, in 
in our blocks and we get a certain mm -hmm. amount of money back and it's probably better than what the market returns. It's, it's definitely better than what the market returns. And like you see, you see a lot of entrepreneurial people not kind of doing the long-term investing because they believe they can essentially make more money just doing their own business than, than kind of investing in the market, which is true. But at the same time, I, I think 99% um, of businesses have their expiration date. So yeah. it's like, it's almost like a safety net. It's like, you definitely don't have to rely on it if you don't want to and don't want to, and you can go out there and make a lot more money with your business. But I still think it's nice to kind of be building along the way when, when you're building your business or when you're going to job or whatever. I still think it's nice to have also the, the regular investing on the side. It's kind of a safety net almost in a way. I mean, it doesn't take away from it. If anything, you know, let, let's say someone is, is the entrepreneur. And again, let's say someone is the entrepreneur and they, they are getting a higher than market rate return on their money. So they feel like, what's the point of me investing it? Like, But you have all this money kind of sitting around. If you're earning that much money, then as a result, you have this kind of money sitting around and, and then you're kind of letting it sit there and stagnate, whereas it can kind of at least earn a little more for you. For you, I mean, just with the deal that you can't access it for an X period amount of time. I mean, it's still it sounds like a it's not it's not like an if or then. Both of these things can be done. It's not an if either this or that. I mean, yeah, exactly. I, I think they feel like. For example, um, what are let's say you make hundred thousand dollars and you pay what forty thousand dollars in taxes, so you have sixty thousand dollars left, and, and like you have thirty thousand dollars left after everything, and feel they, they feel like they're better off buying a block for thirty thousand dollars, for example, um, yeah. than putting it in whatever the S and P five hundred um, index fund or something. Which which I, I think short term is definitely better. You can get more money, but I just feel like long term it's it's always better to to have some. To kind of almost have like a have something that's giving you a lot of return, but that's risky, and then something that's giving you a bit less return, but at the same time it's safer. Because again, who knows what's gonna happen in 30, 40 years? It sounds like diverse diversification. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I, I don't know who would argue against that. That's the that's the thing. Are there are there people that argue against? I that? I think so. People that are successful in business. Not not saying all okay. of them, but I, I've seen a few. Because it doesn't quite make sense to me. It's like you you already have money sitting on the side that you're not using. Why why not get a little return out of it? Because I. I think the argument is you reinvested into your business rather than into the market. Okay. But again, I, I, I kind of understand it and, and um, also kind of vision of the best because yeah, the expiration date. It's definitely a it's definitely a choice, but but at the same time, um, yeah, I, I think just assuming that your business will keep running the way it is running, or, or that you can always succeed in your business, yeah, I feel like that's a that's a tough assumption to make. Like I, I think we'd, we'd all like to make it. So like I'm sure you would like to have your your business forever and I'd like to have my things forever but they all yeah. probably have expiration dates and, and by then we'll have to figure out something new which is fine yeah. but there's also why I think you should along the way at least save and if not if not dead and um definitely invest yeah. in, into the market because because again like you said you're just diversifying and you're, you're essentially putting bets on other people yeah i mean yeah i have no argument against that i'm just surprised that people i mean i, I feel like maybe it's a similar case to you know getting a child to eat broccoli like don't tell me what to do i know my way is better yeah exactly it's, it's almost like um it's almost arrogance in a way right it's like it's like yeah. believing you're the best which, which i guess to be an entrepreneur to an extent you, you need to have a bit of that but at the same time too much of that is probably not good you know i, I don't know I, I can't wrap my my mind around it as i think any sane person out there uh will want to protect their assets and have some growing assets which means having money set into an account on the side or investment account I, I would have a hard time believing anyone you know wealthy anyone's wealthy that does not have something like you know a long-term investment sitting on the side and they're pushing all of their money into you know they're back into their business i think those people are they're probably either insane or they're just their first time starting out and they think they're hot like hot shots and they just got lucky with the first thing yeah i, th I think 
it definitely, definitely is some sort of arrogance. Like, oh yeah, I don't need to do this. I'm just put it all back in. It's it's the kind of arrogance of a beginner, I think, of a lucky yeah, beginner. of a beginner, or essentially of somebody that hasn't perhaps faced any downturn. Yeah, because yeah. anyone smarter will hedge their bets. Yeah, I, I'm really curious what will happen with like the the crypto world, for example, in like five years, ten years. Um, maybe by then, like uh, we'll have some function or useful products that resulted at yeah, from crypto and nfts but right now not quite yet yeah because i i don't know if i'm just too conservative or whatever but when i see some of these people and like there there's people I, I saw this guy that that made i don't know how many million with um what was it, dogecoin we might have talked about him before and like yeah. he wouldn't sell it at all like so, so you, you're telling me you put in like however many thousand dollars and you turned it into millions and you won't sell off even like a bit of it like that doesn't it's like you you got lucky right it's essentially you, you picked one and and um whatever you put in fifty thousand dollars you made two million dollars great for you congratulations i think that that's smart and and that's lucky <laughs> but i think i think if you go from fifty thousand to two million dollars and then refuse to take anything out because you believe it will go to whatever 10 million dollars i mm. believe you're just dumb right? that's the uh, whole icarus yeah it's like again i'm not i'm not saying Sorry, take man. everything out but like it, it comes back to the fact that you should diversify essentially right yeah especially to protect money like i understand you can't make a lot of money by diversifying you should probably focus but at the same time you have some sort of money then then diversify to protect it oh yeah and and one more thing um i don't know if you saw but um google started rolling out the the page speed update or whatever they call it page experience update okay. so now they're now they're caring about the core web vitals essentially it seems like any impact on you um i don't think so and i think i was mentioning this too but it seems like after i switched the hosting like all my yeah. core web vitals went green so i was, I was really happy about that because that was one of my goals from last month i think or maybe even this month where do you check it um do you use the google console the webmasters whatever it's called yeah, yeah. so if you go there um let's see if you go, core web vitals experience yeah, if you go to the to the main page there um, on the left side, I think there's core, yeah, core web vitals. Okay. And it's split into mobile and, and desktop. Okay. I have all of them need improvement. I'm on yellow. Oh, so, so all of them are orange. And, and open the report. And which, which, what, what is the issue? Because there's like four different things, I think. Like three speed related and one about how much the page sh shifts when it loads. All right. Open report. Or for, let's see, for mobile, uh, 494, two issues. LCP issue, FID issue. Not started. Na. What is LCP? Largest contentful paint. I think something to do with side speed. Okay. So so that's a thing. Let's see. Desktop. I am for a similar issue. Four ninety four need improvement. Well, I guess I have have my work cut out for me. That's a lot of URLs that need improvement. Yeah, and, and I think it's, it's probably something that can be resolved with hosting because I had the same issue. So I had I had two issues. I had um CLS, which is a thing where the page loads, but then as it keeps loading, the stuff keeps shifting. So it kind of adds for, mm -hmm. for a bad user experience. And um, that got resolved when the when the ad company that I use fixed their, um, fixed their mm -hmm. uh, code or their plugin or whatever, the way they load the ads. Because it's something you can't avoid with ads if you load them kind of dynamically as somebody scrolls. It's funny. One... Um... Um, no, I'm looking at the report right now. URL example, similar URLs. Each like I'm looking here, here. See, see if you can make something of this. It almost seems like one URL is responsible for all the issues. Correct uh, me if I'm wrong. I'm probably wrong. I think you're wrong. I think it's the same that I had. Let me see. It's like 439 for just one URL. No, no. So, so I think if you click that URL, you'll you'll get 439 other URLs that have the same issue as this one. So, so uh, they they just take. They just take one and then dump everything into the same bucket. Okay. I bet it's probably because of all the images that exist on that page. 
could be but i don't know yeah so um so you were saying yeah so, so um yeah I, I had this i had this lcp thing too i think on most of them and that got fixed after yeah i had lcp issue longer than 2.5 seconds on mobile um, and mm-hmm. that got fixed after i changed my hosting so i, I was talking about what was the previous episode or two episodes back or something um yeah. That I started using different hosting. And yeah, as soon as I switched it, it fixed. So so money well spent, I guess. Uh, does it say like how to make the fixes or no? Um it's I, I think you can use there there's this tool called um try Googling page speed insights, I think. Page speed insights. Yeah. And and you can copy paste the URL in there. The one that was um, okay, and then when you click analyze, it will take a few seconds to, to load 73%. Okay, and then it shows like different things like you can do this, you can do that, but um, but it's all kind of um, coding related, I think, because I, I never understood mm. those reports. Okay, let's see. Uh, field data, all right, so I have a 58 score for this page. Chrome user experience support does not have sufficient real world speed for this page over the previous 28 days. Aggregate, the- yeah, they could be speaking Swahili to me. <laughs> Yeah. I would understand the same amount, but uh, but yeah, I, I'm not sure to what extent it matters or, or to what extent it will matter because I think page speed and things like that always matter. But it yeah. seems like it will be a ranking signal now, and, and um, I'm, I'm not sure to what extent they will actually promote or punish or whatever mm-hmm. sites based on that. Uh, are, are you using any any plugin for for page speed? Like no. Yeah, I, I, seen those help but again I know. but like how do they help um li- like wp rocket for example is one i think but um yeah i think what they do is essentially like if you have something like AppSumo, what yeah. and again I'm, I'm no coder so i'm not 100 percent sure what i'm telling now is correct but as far as i understand so like rather than having the code load as the site loads it kind of lets mm-hmm. the site load so that google knows that it lo- that is loaded and the user can scroll around the site and then it loads okay. let's say the app sumo code so, so i think that's okay. what, what they mean when they say deferred whatever okay I think that what they're trying to do essentially is get the essential stuff first so that you can see the site and you can interact with it. And then whatever yeah. else, whether it's the ad, um, the ad codes or whatever it is, just get that later. Okay. All right. Uh, I guess I have some work, out, work cut out for me to figure out these reports. Yeah, this is the, I, it, it's probably the part that I enjoy the least, like the technical part. Yeah. It's like all I want is just for the, <laughs> for the site to run and not have to yeah. worry about it, which is part of the reason why why I switched to hostings, which turned out to be... A- and just fixed all your problems? It's, it's funny, but somehow it did. It's like, I, I have no <laughs> idea why, because what they did is they just took what I had and, and moved it to their server. But essentially, mm. there was a there was some error that I used to get with my um with one of my sites, and that was gone. There was the there was this um needs improvement thing in, in the Core Web Vitals. That's gone. Mm-hmm. It's like everything's working really okay. smoothly now. So maybe, maybe oh, I'll check out that um speeding up WordPress plugin, and I think it also will help me if I delete some other plugins that I probably don't need. I think I have a plugin for Google Analytics, which is probably what's causing some delay, or maybe figure out another way around it. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, it's a uh, it's, you know because you kind of want to focus on just like adding content to the site and optimizing optimizing the site. Well, I guess this counts as optimizing the site, but yeah, exactly. Digging through analytical reports and being like, oh, I have to fix this. <laughs> I have to fix that. But it's not something that we're good at or we like to spend time on. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I'm, I'm glad to be all green now. I'm proud of that, even though I didn't do anything. <laughs> I mean, you paid quite a, quite a bit, a lot of quite a lot of money for that for that green. Yeah, I guess the hosting's pretty expensive. But but again, I, I think I was mentioning too. But I had another issue with with something, and like it was resolved. Yeah, it's worth right it right away on on Sunday. Yeah, I, I think sometimes it's worth paying more. So did you? So the one you have less to worry about because now at least I know that if if the sites crash or something, there's somebody I can reach out to and that I know will reply pretty quickly. Yeah, and two just. 
again, like if, if you go back to the fact that it costs hundred dollars a month or whatever, and you can host ten sites for that, it's like ten dollars mm-hmm. per month per site um, rental, essentially, which is pretty cheap considering um, how much sites can make. Right? It's like <clears throat> you can have sites making thousands of dollars and still only be paying ten dollars for for hosting for for really good hosting. So it's, yeah, it's well worth yeah, the money. Exactly. Sp- speaking about that, I also recently resubscribed to to Ahrefs. Oh yeah, how is how's it going? Um, yeah, I, I think it's by far the best SEO tool out there. Um, yeah, I, I just like the UI, and it. I, I think it also. I feel like it has the most different keywords out of all those tools. Mm-hmm. So like you can, it's always nice to plug in some site that um that I know that I've beat for for some keyword, and then see all the other keywords that that site is ranking for and things like that. Did you pick up any new ones that, that are interesting? Yeah, I, I find it much easier to because typically how I do keyword research is I just again I, I know the topics that my sites are about pretty well mostly I think so I just kind of look through my articles and then be like oh maybe this is area I should explore and then I kind of search different keywords for that and and these keywords everywhere and um and you and uber suggest to to kind of mm-hmm. figure things out but um but that's that takes a lot of brain power to actually think about oh what should i write about next whereas yeah. with this i feel like i just plug in a couple of competing urls and get a bunch of ideas and it makes it much much smoother i know that there's a there are a few suggestions that you gave me for the new site one of them worked really well probably the, the primary traffic driver right now for my newest site yeah so i, I can at least i can attest <laughs> to that i should do more of that i should take more of your advice yeah you should um you should use hrefs i, I recommend I'll, I'll get a uh, seven day free trial if that exists, exists. Um, don't tell anybody but you can do it multiple times <laughs> i'm gonna get it <laughs> yeah no but not, now i'm paying the full price for all right. All right. I'll definitely check it out. And uh, anything else for today that we have? I don't have much. I'm still working on my goals. I'm still catching up and updating some old content. Nice. Yeah. Not for my side. How, how's your um, How's your traffic? How's your sites? Well, looking, I am up. Well, no, I'm down 0.3% week on week on the big site, but it was up the week before that. So whatever happened the week before is quite good. But now it's just kind of leveled off, essentially the same as last yeah. week. Uh, but now that you pointed out the core web vitals, probably something I have to look into because looking into the report here, it's like I have 40, 494 affected URLs. But like, it seems like for some reason, that number kind of grows daily or not daily over time. Like in March, I had like 443. In April, I had 454. It's, it's- May at four seventy five. Part part of it is probably you just adding new new um, new pages, new mm. articles. Because okay. I, I think most of the most of the web vitals things are like if it affects one of your URLs, it probably affects all of them. Affects all. I'm just trying to figure out what exactly it is that I need to fix to make it go from four hundred ninety four needs improvements to four hundred ninety four that are great. <laughs> Maybe you need to buy RocketNet or whatever it is. All right, I'll, I'll I'll look into it. So far, I mean, yeah, no no issues quite yet. But now I think I know what. I want to do today is I want to spend some time figuring figuring out how to improve site speed. Right. And how, how's your how's your newest site? Any any more growth in there? Uh, I think it's still let's see, it's still on the up though. I feel like this week flattened out a bit. Last time I checked, let me check the report now. It's still somewhat upish. There you go. Oh, nice. So, but as you can see, like it flatlined. Yeah. So, so you're adding like one article a week? Uh, I haven't added anything yet since last month. Maybe. Like for the for the month of uh, June, I have nothing. Oh, maybe that maybe you need to add more. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you have anything ordered for, for that? No, that's a, the that's a thing. I, I might miss this goal. Oh, it's, it's like a spoiler alert. For... <laughs> yeah, spoiler alert. Will I hit my goal? Because I, I have other goals to work on and some of them seem to be quite big. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, it's, it's always about prioritization. I don't think it's always about hitting all the goals. As long, as long as you're happy with what you've done, as long as I mean, like, yeah, it takes it it takes some brain power. You have to stop and be like, all right, what do I need next? And you have to, which not hard, but it's like I feel setting aside like say ten or fifteen or twenty minutes for just like strict thinking work is like hard in itself yeah because it, it can feel like you're not doing anything right? <laughs> you're, yeah. you're sitting there uh, it's like a that's a, that's a bias that i kind of have like if i i feel guilty for doing that kind of work even if it doesn't produce an immediate outcome i feel guilty because i've not actually achieved something i just spent time thinking about it but i also know i say it's a bias because sometimes that's kind of what you need and answers don't come right away yeah exactly awesome. well i guess um we'll have to work on our goals i'll have to yeah, that's the next episode. It's, it's already the next Damn. episode. Wow. Yeah, because, uh, well, actually, next, no, it'll be in two weeks. Yeah. Because June 30th is still yeah. a Wednesday, and we still have that. So we have a bit of time. Yeah. Gotta, gotta, uh, gotta start getting some more content. All right. This has been the Side Hustles and Stuff podcast episode. What episode 53. is it? 53. 53 is the number. What does it mean? It's the number of weeks in a year plus one. The number of cards in a deck plus one. <laughs> that, that's what we did last time. Let's see. What's 53? It's the 16th prime number. Well, I'm, sure, I'm sure everyone knows that one. 53 days. Uh... It's Northeastern USA Rock Band. It's the maximum number of players on a... NFL roster. It's the code for the international direct dial for phone calls to Cuba. It's also the most field the goals mo- in NBA playoffs. Or most points by rookie in an NF- NBA, I was about to say NFL. NBA playoff game by Philadelphia's Wilt Chamberlain. And I guess this is episode 53. Uh, if you want to start your own side hustle, check out the show notes at sidehustlesandstuff.com forward slash E53, where we, uh, you'll, we'll give you a link to Bluehost. Bluehost is a place where you can buy your own .com, your own website. Put your project out into the world, whether you're just trying to run a blog or a vlog or put your art or music or t-shirts whatever it is out into the world and make a website makes it real so check out the show notes and this has been the side hustles and self podcast i don't think there's been any bloopers this time around unfortunately well not that good (laughs) if we were too good we would have had like a contract with some radio or podcast we're just regular folks uh, I although as a final final note, I think I read this on Twitter. Could be wrong. Something about um, a majority of people don't get past their first podcast episode. An even bigger majority. I have to find it because I can't find the stats. Let me just see if I can pull it up. Can I find it? Can I find it? Twitter. Yeah, whatever it was, I, I can't since I can't find it now. It was just like a stats on how many people quit and don't get past episode X, <laughs> which we seem to have uh, surpassed. Yeah, I, many I mean, times over. I, I'm sure if you search on on iTunes for podcasts, a lot of them will have one to three episodes and um and not after that yeah let me just search podcast quit yeah there you go 90 percent of podcasts don't get past episode three that's 1.8 million who quit of the 200,000 left 90 will quit 90 percent will quit after 20 episodes that's another 1800 wait 1800 1000 no 180,000 gone to be in the top one percent of podcasts in the world you only need to publish 21 episodes all right i guess we're I don't know what that means, but it doesn't definitely does not involve a lot of money or accolades and awards. But I guess we've made it into the top. Maybe that's why most don't make it. It's because they're too focused on, on turning it into a business or something and, and they fail. Yeah. Or maybe they don't enjoy doing it because otherwise they would have done it regardless. It's funny though, because even with like um, YouTube or blogging, there's a lot of people, I guess, that, that go into it thinking they'll make a lot of money in a very short period of time and then yeah. they quit because they don't probably similar thing with with podcasts yeah i think when you start when you put money ahead that's when and you want the reward first and foremost that's when you start getting, getting disappointed yeah, exactly but if you just do it without the, you know like i feel like maybe gary v had some thoughts on this when you know the work that you i don't know if he actually said it 
maybe someone else said it. For some reason, I think Gary Vee. But like the work that you're willing to do for free is the kind of the work that you also probably succeed at. Because what it means is you're willing to go out, go above and beyond on your own time extra without having someone to push you yeah. for it. Yeah, ex- exactly. Maybe it wasn't Gary Vee. Uh, pr- probably him because he's a big proponent of doing things for free. So could it be Yeah. Him? All right. So uh, thank you for listening to this top 1% <laughs> podcast. And we'll see you next see week. See you next week. Yeah, yeah, I think we also need an intro. His own um, import-export company or something. But he, he lived in New York and whatnot for a few years. And I think flat. So, sorry, you, you, you cut off after he started speaking English for yeah, really? I don't know why. Is it on your end or Probably on my end? Maybe. I don't know. My computer suddenly locked itself. So I don't know if that's got something to do with okay. it. Okay. All right. Uh, where did I stop? Uh, you, you got on. He saw your Brooklyn hat. And... All right. And we'll segue that in. And now I'm looking at page in, page speed insights. <laughs> Take three. <laughs> Take three.